When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Las Vegas Motor Speedway, the attention, the focus, all on these eight championship drivers. A month of our best here, boys. No reason why we can't do this. You could feel the tension when you got here today that things are ramping up. This is not just another race. Do our normal deal. Surprise the people. It should be a fun day. All right, be ready on the flag here. Ready. Green, 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 green. All rolling. Still inside 24. Bubba Wallace just put Chase Briscoe a lap down, not having a good performance up to this point. Left rear's down, keep her locked. Kyle Bush, he gets off in the grass. Green checker, good job. Oh, hanging on, baby, hanging on. Lap traffic with my friend there. Bubba Wallace picks up the stage win. Joey Logano second, Daniel Suarez third. Good restart here, starts on you. Green flag waves and they stay side by side. Got a rhythm that vibration. I don't like it. Copy that, they'll check the cameras here. Is it tight or not? That's all I need to know. My rear could be loose. It's a yes or no, there's no good, boy, should. I need a yes or a no. Top of two with the five on the bottom. Five sliding up to you. Okay, stretch. It's 45, gonna be on your time. You just hook this, and hook this, put your head back, put your head back. Stay up, stay up, stay middle, stay middle. Your wheel's straight. Not three. No, we're done. Well, if that wasn't intentional, I don't know what was. You okay? Yeah, I'm great. Are you okay? Oh, yeah. Uh, just keep an eye on him. Back it down here. I got Bubba walking on the track. Bubba Wallace has gone to confront Kyle Larson. Oh, they're fighting like they're all business. Bubba's blanket? I don't know if he actually connected. He was pushing a lot. It's like a the cat fight. When they're on her back leg, he walks 150 yards to go down there and slap at the five guy. Wild, and it's kind of that it got the 20 car. I mean, I can't say it's chattering so bad. Don't know why we have this issue, but nuclear tight. Probably gonna blow right front. Ten four, six more right here. Ryan Blaney now down across the stripe. He takes the green and white checkered flag. Nine six to go here. Starts on you in the zone. They are stacked up behind that two-car. Dangerous I've ever witnessed in my life. It's like the last lap or something. These guys are going at it so hard. Still there. Quarter. 
bumper. Pinsky Ford's battling for the lead. They almost touch on the exit of Ford. Give it to Logano. Got a spin off of four. Caution. Caution's out. I'm sure what to tell you to do to help me. Give me in front of the going off the one. Looks a lot like a Talladega restart. You're clear, clear. 24 machine of William Byron gets sideways. Check up, check up, check up. Come on. There's a lot of smoke and then just went up the track. Bottomed out. Stay up. Be ready, guys. Always busted. Right rear. Coming, coming. Ryan Blaney just brought it up the racetrack, slapped the wall. Now lock it down, lock it down, lock it down, lock it down. Correct. Caution out for one of the championship contenders. Thanks. Broke on it. Two, one on the side wheel on the mark. Oh. We had to pay the penalty there twice. Wheel didn't want to come off. Sorry about that, bud. Hose got caught on the right front splitter. P11. Kyle Busch now. Smoke coming out of the front of his race car on the left front. We're going to lose the left front tire. The left front tire is not tight. Green flag is back in the air. Bumper, clear tight. He's loose. Suarez is out of shape. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Yellow's up, yellow's up. Your out of right there. Green flag, Haley on the bottom gets a bit of a jump, but Briscoe now draws alongside. We got a car in the wall. Yellow's out, yellow's out, battle for it. This landing castle, they got sideways. 31 and one, both went bottom. One's gonna try to make it three wide. Haley and Briscoe head door to door back to turn number one. But here comes Ross Chastain, three wide. Clear, clear, take it. New leader on four, Ross Chastain. Joe Logano moves into the runner up spot. All right, nine laps to go win this thing. Go get a. Logano now looks inside. Chastain throws a big block. Three more. Still there, bumper. Joey Logano slides up in front of Ross Chastain. Barely clear. Clear up, clear up. You're better. Drive away. From the round of eight to the final four, Joey Logano. Hell yeah. Nice job. It's a, let's go get a championship, baby. Let's get one. Welcome back to Track Smack Radio. This is Mike Haig with Race Day San Antonio, and you're listening to Track Smack Radio here on TrackSmackRadio.com. It's just me this week. No Dawn. She is off to San Antonio to see her son get married. So we wish them well, and um, hopefully they'll have good weather and a good wedding and everything. And Dawn will be back next week. I'm flying solo this week, so bear with me here. I just got back from the NHRA uh, drag races in Ennis, Texas, the Stampede of Speed, the Texas NHRA Fall Nationals that was held at the Texas Motorplex, and I'll be talking about that a little bit later in the show, but first we're going to start off with covering the NASCAR Cup Series, and boy, did we have a lot of drama at Las Vegas this past weekend, and we're going to get into all the action, and we have a lot of audio for you today and all kind of good stuff, so... uh, Joey Logano, Team Penske's Joey Logano, became the first driver to secure a position in the championship four with his win at Las Vegas Motor Speedway at the South Point 400 this past Sunday. And Logano, on a fresh set of Goodyear tires, rallied back through the field and got a, had a late race pit stop and then he ended up passing Ross Chastain there for the lead with three laps remaining and drove off for his third win at the 1.5-mile Las Vegas High Bank track, and he had a .817 second margin of victory over playoff driver Chastain, 
who led a race best 68 of the 267 laps Sunday afternoon. Now, Logano took that pit stop with 26 laps remaining, and that dropped him from a top 10 position on the track. But with those fresh set of tires, it made the difference, and it got him the win, and what a great win it was for him. So he advances now to the championship four, and we have a lot more to talk about here in just a minute. So let's first go to the interview on the front straightaway with Joey Logano. Joey, how about that call by Paul Wolf there to put on those fresh Goodyears after the rough pit stop? It actually worked out really well for you guys. <laughs> We're racing for a championship. Let's go! Man, it's fun. What a great car. Penske cars were all fast. All of them were really fast today. And oh man, uh, all you want to do is get to the championship four when the season starts and race for a championship. And we got the team to do it. Let's see why not. We can't win at this point. So things are looking really good for us. Awesome Pennzoil Mustang. Great uh, Roush Shades motor in this bad boy. And uh, man, just a lot of adversity fought through the last uh, 50 laps or so. I thought we were going to win. Then we kind of fell out and then had the tires. And racing Ross was fun. He was doing a good job air blocking me and was trying to be patient. And eventually I was like, I got to go here. So uh, just great to win out here in Vegas again. And it means so much getting to the championship. And there you go, Joey Logano. He gets the win and gets to advance to the championship four. And that audio there was provided courtesy of NASCAR. So Ross Chastain uh, gets second place. And let me go ahead and go through the top ten here. Kyle Busch was third. Chase Briscoe, another playoff driver, was fourth. Denny Hamlin, a playoff driver, was fifth. Tyler Redrick was sixth. Martin Truex Jr. finished seventh. Eric Jones finished eighth. A.J. Allmendinger ninth. And Austin Dillon rounded out the top ten. Now another couple stats on the race. The race had eight cautions for 42 laps it took three hours and four minutes and 10 seconds to complete the average speed of the race was 130.48 miles per hour margin of victory was 0.817 seconds and there were 18 lead changes among 11 different drivers now i mentioned just a second ago that ross chastain finished second we have audio from ross here's the interview on the front straightaway after the race here we go Right, Rick, that was an incredible battle between Ross Chastain and Joey Logano. So, Ross, take me through those last couple laps, the blocks. Was there anything else when you look back at this you would, would want to have done different? No, Parker, for our Tootsie Chevy, that was, uh, that was all we had. I mean, there was a, there was a you know, clear difference in, uh, in tires there. So we, we fully believed that we could uh, hold them off and, and win the race uh, on the tires we had. And, um, Joey did a good job of getting through the field. So um, at the end there, that's. I hope I'm racing that guy for a really long time. And for our Tootsie Chevy and everybody at Jockey and Worldwide Express, Advent Health, and the Moose to, uh, like we've been saying all year, this is the arrival of Trackhouse, and I wouldn't want to be doing it with anybody else. Take me through those last couple laps, the decision-making. What are you looking at when you're making those moves and trying to hold him off? Are you looking at the camera, the mirror? How are you making those moves to try and block his and use your air to block him off there in the corners? Uh, yeah, it's, um, I don't, I don't know, just instinct takes over, and yeah, it's all camera-based, so uh, McReynolds is up in my ear from the top and just giving me information and coaching me, but uh, I'm the one I'm the one making my, my decisions and my moves, so, um, you know, it's, um, I, I do, I'm sure I can go back and find a few things, and to run the top there and let him get inside of me, I thought I had one more corner to do that, and uh, he just got position on me there on the front stretch, and um, we are just really tight. Dave, those were some awesome moves by Ross Chastain. And there you go. That's Ross Chastain. That audio there was provided courtesy of NBC Sports and NASCAR. Now, if the championship four were to be decided with the cut today on who goes, it would be Joey Logano first. Ross Chastain is now second in points. Chase Elliott is third. 
Denny Hamlin is fourth. That's where the cut line is now. Below the cut line is William Byron in fifth. Chase Briscoe is now sixth. Ryan Blaney dropped the seventh, and Christopher Bell is eighth. Now, this was a race that I would say was action-packed at Las Vegas. The uh, eight playoff drivers all experienced both sides of emotions. Uh, You had all kind of drama going on. Five of them were among the 11 race leaders at various points in the race, and four finished in the top five. So we had a a really good race overall. I thought it was a pretty darn good race. Now, all hell broke loose between Kyle Larson and Bubba Wallace around lap 94. And this ended up being the most talked about part of the race there. The incident took place with two non-championship drivers. And what happened was, following a restart in Stage 1, Hendrick Motorsports' driver Kyle Larson and 2311's racing Bubba Wallace, who won Stage 1, were both racing side-by-side one another toward the front of the field. On lap, excuse me, on lap 94... Larson's number five Chevy got loose and he moved up to the kind of moved up the track a little bit, which forced Wallace's car into the outside wall. Now, Wallace's uh, number 45 Toyota then bounced off the wall. Then he drove down into Larson's car, spinning him out, spinning both of them out, actually. And the playoff driver, um, Christopher Bell, who was driving through the uh, field there, got tagged by Larson's car and that ended up taking him out in the incident there and he he crashed so uh, we had uh, these cars coming to arrest in the infield and then Wallace took off his helmet marched toward Larson and he was just getting out of the car and they exchanged words Wallace then pushed Larson multiple times before walking away and it looked like at one point he uh, touched one of the officials there uh, who was trying to push him back he like brushed his hand off a little bit so um, that's to be debated still there the camera angle kind of showed that but uh, then that was also debated that that didn't happen so I'm not quite sure uh, what to think of that but uh, a lot of people thought that uh, Bubba Wallace uh, overreacted uh, and it should be fined or penalized and that's ended up coming down there was a penalty issued on Tuesday by NASCAR and um, he was suspended for one race and uh, so I don't know how y'all feel about that. Uh, personally, I thought it was a pretty good penalty. Um, maybe there should have been a fine associated it, associated with it, but uh, he should have been penalized at some point, I think, uh, with some kind of penalty, whether it be uh, a race suspension or a possibly um, a fine. A lot of people thought that because he's Bubba, he wouldn't he'd get off and um, not get anything. But uh, I all along, I kind of figured that... Um, he would get some kind of penalty, and so I think the one race uh, suspension is probably, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, probably appropriate and um, and justified. So we have a bunch of audio here. We're going to hear from both drivers, Kyle Larson first, and then Bubba, and then we have some reactions from Christopher Bell, and then we're going to hear from NASCAR. So uh, first up is Kyle Larson, and here's Kyle Larson's take on this whole situation. Yeah, Kyle Larson out. So walk us through the incident from from your perspective, and did his reaction and retaliation kind of surprise you uh no i mean it didn't, re- didn't surprise me um i obviously made an aggressive move into three and uh got in low and got loose and chased it up a bit and um <clears throat> yeah i mean he got to my right front and it got him tightened into the wall and knew he was going to retaliate so like i said i mean he he had a reason to be mad but uh his race wasn't over um until you know he retaliated so is what it is um just uh yeah you know just aggression turned into frustration and um you're, you're retaliated 
is retaliation, Kyle, at that speed an acceptable thing? I think with everything that's been going on here lately with um, head injuries and, um, you know, all that, you know, fractured ligaments and, and all that, I, I don't think it's uh, probably the right thing to do. But, you know, hey, we've all done it. Maybe not all of us, but, it, but I, I mean, I have. I've let the emotions get the best of me before, too. So just um, I'm sure, yeah, I'm, I, I know he's probably still upset, but I'm sure with everything going on, he'll, he'll know that he made a mistake uh, in, in the retaliation part, and um, I'm sure you know, he'll, he'll think twice about it next time. What about the off-track retaliation when he came up and tried to shove you? Did that catch you off guard? No, I mean, I seen him walking over, so I, I figured he would do something. So just, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just like I said, he, he had every right to be upset. Um, I'd rather him do that than, uh, than tear up you know, our, our cars in a, in a dangerous matter. Um, so, yeah, just uh, is what it is. Glad to see both of these guys are okay, but clearly some very, very upset drivers down here, Parker. And there you go. That's Kyle Larson there. And, again, that audio is courtesy of NASCAR and, and NBC Sports. So what do you think about all this? I'm curious to know. Will you think twice next time? <laughs> Who knows? But uh, as you saw there in, in the video, if you watched the race, uh, Larson was not wanting to fight. He kept pushing him back and like, hey, knock it off, knock it off. Let's, you know, I don't. And so um, he uh, obviously didn't want to get into a fight with Bubba. And uh, I believe these two off track are, are good friends. Um, and I'm sure by the time all this is over and season's over, these guys will probably sit back and have a beer and, and uh, laugh their ass off about all this. So <laughs> anyway, but um, so that's uh, that's what Larson had to say. Now, next, uh, we have audio from Bubba. And uh, here's what Bubba had to say. So here's Bubba Wallace. Yeah, Bubba's out of the infield care center. We could clearly see your anger, Bubba. First, walk us through what happened. Cliff Daniel said if that wasn't retaliation, I don't know what was. Was it intentional retaliation on your behalf? Clint's smart enough to know that how easy these cars break. So when you get shoved into the fence, like deliberately like he did, trying to force me to lift, steering was gone. So just so happened to be there. Um, hate it. Hate it for our team. Um, fast, super fast car. Had no short run speed as you were seeing. We were kind of falling there. Larson wanted to make a three wide dive bomb. Never cleared me. And uh, I don't lift. So I know I'm kind of new to running up the front, but I don't lift. So wasn't even in a spot to lift and he never lifted either. And now we're junk, so just a piss-poor move on his execution. When situations like this happen, Bubba, at this speed, is retaliation an acceptable thing? Stop fishing. Stop fishing. I'm not fishing. I'm just asking you. Let's also talk about the message you wanted to send to Kyle by going up to him after the incident. He knows. He knows that what he did was wrong. Uh, he wanted to question what I was doing. He never cleared me, so uh, just hate it for our team. Our McDonald's Twitter camera was super solid. Just needed to find a little bit on the short run, get the balance where we needed it, and it would have been just like Kansas, but now that car's jumped. There's always unintended consequences when something like this happens. Christopher Bell was a part of that, clearly a Toyota teammate and a playoff driver. Your reaction to that? Sports. There you go. Bubba Wallace obviously very upset and uh, delivered his message he felt like to Kyle Larson. He said, Larson knows the message I was trying to deliver. We will get a word with Kyle Larson when he comes out of the infield care center just a moment ago. So what do you think? Was it a piss poor move on Larson's part? I don't know. You know, they're racing. So a lot of people say that it's Kyle's fault here, that Bubba might be right. But uh, it's really a shame that it took out those two cars because Bubba, Bubba really had a great race going. And he's had a great second half of the season. 
and really he's doing really well with his um, finishes. Larson's kind of struggled a little bit here lately, but um, the guy that really took the um, the short got the short end of the stick on all this was uh, Christopher Bell. What a shame because he had, he had a good car and he was running great as well. So anyway, so NASCAR comes out on Tuesday with a penalty and they give him a one race suspension. We're talking about Bubba Wallace gets a one race suspension. He won't be racing this weekend in Homestead, and we do have audio from uh, Steve O'Donnell from NASCAR. So here's what NASCAR had to say about the incident and the penalty. Our actions are really specific to what took place on the racetrack. Um, and when we look at, you know, how that incident occurred, you know, in our minds, you know, really a, a dangerous act. We, we thought that was intentional and put other competitors at risk. And, you know, as we look at the sport and where we are today and, and where we want to draw that line going forward, we thought that definitely crossed the line, and, and that's what we focused on in terms of making this call. When you say you thought it was intentional, how do you come to that determination? What have you looked at to make that call? Well, you know, we've got a lot of data available to us, and, and we looked at that data and kind of reviewed the incident from a bunch of different angles. And, you know, in our view and our determination um, through conversations, that's, that's where we netted out. What did the data show that, that led you to the conclusion? Uh, you know, we believed that uh, it was a heat of the moment um, action that took place. And, you know, I think you saw through Bubba's uh, statement, if you had to, to do that all over again, I think maybe it would be a different circumstance. I think we understand that it's a it's a dangerous sport and drivers are out there. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot on the line. Everybody's racing their guts out, which is awesome for the sport. It's It's never been better in terms of that. Um, but in this case, you know, we just felt it crossed the line and, and we really had to react because it's an action that, that we don't want to see going forward. And I know fans and people like to compare, well, you know, the what ifs or what happened in the past. And, and for us, this was a reaction based on, you know, what took place Sunday and what we don't want to see going forward in races uh, that take place from the competitors and, and want to draw that line and be as clear as we can for our competitors of where we stand. Does the fact that the, that the crash itself impacted a playoff driver play any role in this it doesn't um i think you know it uh i, I will let me back up so it does in terms of that it, it impacted other drivers as well so when we look at this incident you know you're not only endangering one but there's there's a lot of cars out there at speed it's a high rate of speed it's on an intermediate track all those things factor in so uh, it has nothing to do this could have been race you know two at an intermediate uh and it's the same call so when I say it does, it, it, it does in the fact that it's other cars that are out there competing. Um, when you take that action, and you know, it affected multiple cars. So all of that is taken into consideration. And there you go. That's Steve O'Donnell. He is vice president there at NASCAR. And um, what do you think about his uh, statement? Um, I think they made the right call. Now, a lot of people will probably disagree with me and say that he should have got a $1,000, I mean, a $100,000 fine and suspended for more than one race. But... Uh, at least uh, they took some action, and, uh, they, you know, it, it was retaliation. I totally believe that. It's obvious from the video. Really can't dispute that. And um, what's, what's a shame is, like I said a while ago, it took out Larson, and Christopher Bell got caught up with, with all that as well. So speaking of Christopher, we do have audio from him. So let's uh, now take a moment and hear what Christopher had to say about this uh, incident that took place on Sunday. Bubba just got ran into the wall and then he retaliated on the five and wiped us out. I mean, I don't know. You follow protocol, whatever they've done in the past. 
what type of challenge do you have now for Homestead and Martinsville? And do you feel better about that challenge than what you faced last week? Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel better about winning at Homestead or Martinsville than I did the Roval. Uh, obviously, we got really lucky at the Roval, um, so you're going to have to get lucky again. But I think our performance will be capable of racing for a win at least. And there you go. That's Christopher Bell, and that's his side of the uh, story, what he thought there. And so uh, that wraps up the uh, Bubba Wallace controversy. And so now we move on to Homestead Miami Speedway this week for the Dixie Vaca 400. That race will be held on Sunday, October 22nd. Following that race, we move the Cup Series to Martinsville Speedway for the Xfinity 500 on October 29th, that's also a Sunday. It'll be a 500-lap, 263-mile uh, race. The Homestead race will be a 400.5-mile uh, race, 267 laps at Homestead at the Dixie Vaca 400. And we wrap up the season on Sunday, November the 5th. The NASCAR's Cup Series Championship race will be held at Phoenix Raceway in Avondale, Arizona. That will be a 312-lap, 312-mile race and. It'll be a darn good one to watch, so don't miss those three races coming up. Now, on Saturday, we learned some big news from the 2311 racing team. A statement on Kurt Busch and Tyler Rhetoric was made, and I'll read this to you here. It says, from, day, from the day Kurt Busch joined our team, we knew we, he was going to elevate our organization in many ways. From earning 2311 our first playoff berth with his commanding win at Kansas to the numerous hours spent off the track, Hoping to grow our program. Kurt has made us better. This season took an unexpected turn with his injury. Despite the unfortunate circumstances, Kurt has not stopped being a true professional and a trusted teammate. We fully support Kurt's decision to focus on his health and are granted for his and are grateful for his guidance as our team builds a stronger foundation for the future. With Kurt choosing not to race full time next year, 2311 Racing announced on Saturday that they are Reaching an agreement with Richard Childress Racing, Tyler Redrick will join the 2311 in 2023. He is going to drive the number 45 Toyota Camry TRD. And then the statement says, We look forward to competing against Tyler over the remaining four weeks of the season and look forward to having him join our team thereafter. So Kurt Busch is stepping away from NASCAR for a while. And Tyler Redrick is going to move from Richard Childress Racing. They're going to buy him out. And of his contract there, and he's going to come over to 2311 instead of waiting to 2023. I'm sorry, 2024. He's going to be racing in 2023 next January, February when the season gets started there. So he'll be moving over to the 45 seat. So that's good news for Tyler. Hate to see Kurt leave. A lot of people feel uh, that Kurt still has a lot of racing left in him, and it sure is a shame that he got injured. <coughs> and, uh, excuse me. It sure is a shame that he got injured, and also um, a lot of people feel that Kurt Busch should go into the booth as a broadcaster, and then I also heard this week that a lot of people think he might make a good race official, perhaps like in the in the um, race co race control, because he knows a lot about cars and 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 the, uh, the the tracks and the and the calls and everything. A lot of people think that Kurt's got a really good engineering mind as well, and he uses a lot of logic, and so. Don't be surprised if you don't see Kurt in the booth broadcasting. He's done it before, done a pretty good job. And or also don't be surprised if you don't see Kurt possibly as a NASCAR official because uh, there's been a lot of talk about that this past week. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't happen at some point. 
Now, just for a little race preview of the race at Homestead, a couple little facts about Homestead. Uh, If you all remember from a few years ago, this is the track where the season finale used to be held. But Homestead Miami-Dade Motorsports Complex, as the track was originally named, actually began in August 24th in 1993. Now, the original configuration of Homestead Miami Speedway was a four-turn rectangular paved oval based on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway's layout. And the first race was held there, <clears throat> excuse me, on November 5th, 1995. The inaugural Xfinity Series race was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett in a Ford with an average speed of 92.229 miles per hour. Now, the first cup race was held at Miami Homestead Miami Speedway on November 14th, 1999. And that in that race, that was won by, in the inaugural race there of that race, was won by NASCAR uh, Hall of Famer Tony Stewart in a Pontiac. And he averaged a speed of 140.335 miles per hour. Now, in 2002, the first year of the championship weekend was held at Homestead Miami Speedway with all three of NASCAR's National Series holding their season finale at the same track. Remember, the Cup, Xfinity, and Trucks used to always do that there. And that went on from 2002 to 2019. And then they have uh, there's been 23 NASCAR Cup Series races at Homestead, one per season since 1999. Now, among the active drivers, you see a total of 14 different drivers have won the pole, and five have won multiple poles. Denny Hamlin leads the NASCAR Series in poles, with three, he did that in 2015, 2017, and 2018. And of the 14 NASCAR Series polls winners, three are, are, are actually active this weekend. Denny Hamlin with three polls, Kevin Harvick with one, and Joey Logano with one. Now, there's been 15 different cup drivers that have won at the track. Four different, uh, I'm sorry, five different drivers have won more than once at the 1.5-mile track. Bip, uh, Greg Biffle, if you remember him, he did it in 04, 05, 06. Tony Stewart did it in 99, 2000, and 2011. Denny Hamlin won there in 09, 2013, and 2020. And that and led the NASCAR Cup Series in wins in, in Miami Homestead with three wins each. Of the 15 different series race winners, six of them are active this weekend, and there are three active playoff drivers, Joey Logano, William Byron, and Denny Hamlin. Now, of the, of the active race Active drivers who were race winners in the past, you have Denny with three wins at the track, Kyle Busch with two, William Byron, Joey Logano, Martin Truex Jr., and Kevin Harvick all have one. Now, they're going to have a whole bunch of dignitaries there for the weekend for the honorary pace car driver and honorary starter and and flagman and everything. So be sure and check out the uh, NASCAR.com for all the celebrities that are going to be there. And here's some key matchups to kind of watch out for. Uh, Logano versus Blaney. Chase Briscoe versus William Byron, and Denny Hamlin versus Chase Elliott there for the uh, featured match- matchups. And so uh, as far as picks, uh, Dawn didn't give me her picks, but I'm going to go and give you mine. I'm going to go um, Denny Hamlin for the win. I'm going to go Chase Briscoe for my long shot. My really, really, really long shot, I'm going Bubba Wallace this week because I think he – no, 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 I can't. I can't go Bubba because he's suspended. <laughs> uh, my really, really long shot, I'm going to go Ross Chastain. There you go. So it'll be those three drivers for the uh, win. I forgot about Bubba being suspended there. That's a senior moment I'm having there. So <laughs> anyway, well, let's um, shift a little gears here, and uh, now we'll talk drag racing. 
All right, joining us on the uh, TrackSmack hotline is uh, a guy who's uh, up in the heart of Texas, in Waco, Texas right now, and he is the sports editor of the Baylor Lariat newspaper at Baylor University, and he's uh, also a blogger and writer for the doing some work with the Dallas Morning News, and he happens to be my son, and I took him to the drag races this weekend. Michael, uh, welcome to TrackSmack. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always good to be here. Done it a couple times now with you and Don. Obviously, Don's not here, but uh, yeah, it's good to be here with you, Dad. Yeah, definitely good to have you uh, on the show. And uh, we, uh, you and I went up to the big Texas Motorplex, the 37th annual Texas NHRA Fall Nationals. They call it the Stampede of Speed. And we went up to the big uh, drag strip this weekend. And man, did we ever see some great drag racing. Oh, yeah, you got that right. Uh, from all the classes, I mean, from just even from the first day, we saw some pretty good conditions on Friday. And um, I saw some really, just really fast times and good, good qualifying rounds. And then um, moving into Sunday, thought we were going to get some rain. But man, boy, did we luck out had a little bit of a delay there. And, um, you know, the, uh, the good Lord blessed us with some great racing. And man, like you said, across all classes, just outstanding stuff at Texas Motorplex. Well, yeah, you definitely, you're right about that. And, you know, uh, you, uh, th- this is actually your second drag race. Uh, when you were much younger, I think back in 2013, I think it was, we went to, uh, Bandamere Speedway in Denver and, uh, I was covering the race and you were, this is a kind of a, still in elementary school, I think. Where yeah, I was a little, I was a little cub back then. I uh, only remember, you know, little bits and pieces of that. Uh, honestly, the, that was back when wasn't it the mellow yellow NHRA drag yeah. racing? And I, I remember getting free mellow yellow and that's when I first got into that soda itself. And, but that was my first kind of initiation in the drag racing and being a fan is really cool kind of seeing all that, but um, being as part of the media too. I mean, that's, that's pretty special as well. Well, you know, uh, speaking of mellow yellow, they did sponsor the uh, drag racing series, but for many years before that, it was the full throttle drag racing series and before that it was winston back in the 70s and 80s with the cigarettes wow they, they used to have a cigarette company uh, uh <laughs> sponsoring the drag races but the mellow yellow um michael they had that um that sponsorship up until covid and then when the year covid hit it hit the the, the soft drink industry real hard and uh they mellow yellow had to back out and then camping world came on and now it's the camping world drag racing series but um it's really evolved uh, more money in the series now. And uh, we saw some cool stuff Friday night, $15,000 they were racing for extra to set the, t- the fast time and the qualifying. And uh, man, um, that was something else, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that was cool. You, um, you could tell, you know, these drivers and their teams are really gunning for that extra cash. And uh, that's a pretty cool thing that the, the Speedway did for those teams to give them the option to, uh, you know, really try to, to gun for those fast times and um you know there were there was a you know shocker in the top fuel class when yeah. um when we saw all that go down and then i mean just just some really like you said balls to wall racing well you're right and then this was the uh, 20th race this of the season this year it was the uh six uh or the fourth of six races in the countdown to the championship so there's two races left they go to uh las vegas motor Spe- uh, speedway for uh, the strip at las vegas is what they call it in two weeks and then they wrap it up the week after in pomona california at the winter nationals and um but i thought what we do is start with uh friday uh just uh 
we got a chance to score a, a really nice uh, thing that in the fact that we got to interview all four of the John Force racing drivers and um, John Force himself and his daughter, Brittany and, and, and Austin Proc and uh, uh, John's uh, son-in-law and uh, well, former son-in-law, whatever, but uh, Robert Height. Um, and he, uh, we got a chance to talk to all four of those drivers. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was really, really special. Um, that was a cool opportunity to have that sat down with all four of them. They all seem to be in pretty good spirits. They always seemed like they all liked racing at Texas. Um, so you love to see that. And um, yeah, I mean, they were expecting some fast times. I know Brittany herself kind of talked about some engine problems that she's been having. But um, no, all of them thought, you know, with the uh, cooler temperatures and with the, the surface of the track and stuff, things were going to be flying. And boy, man, Friday itself, we really saw some of that. Yeah, we did. Well, with the low temperatures and, and under the lights like that, we saw the flames coming out of the, the headers and everything, all the nitro burning and everything. But uh, we saw some fast times, some records were broken. And, uh, man, uh, just some great drag racing. It did drag on a little bit, and we saw Leah Pruitt explode her engine on the track. And that that was not too much fun, having to sit about 30 minutes waiting for that cleanup. But uh, overall, just some crazy stuff on friday night and then saturday qualifying it continued uh it got hot and um but the action and the racing still was good yeah i was going to mention we also saw a lot of oil getting spilled onto the track on friday boy it just it was setback after setback i think like four or five times and um you could tell there was some irritation among you know some of the individuals covering things and but um but no i mean it was still really good um and definitely extensive, but it's still really good Friday, um, exciting, exciting Friday night of uh, qualifying. And like you said, Saturday was kind of the same way. Didn't see much of a change in terms of, um, you know, people leaping each other or anything like that. But uh, it really set the stage for Sunday. It sure did. And Sunday was a great day. And just <clears throat> one, one thing real quick before we move on, I want to talk about Sunday, uh, go through the four classes real quick with you. Uh, but we, we need to mention we also got a chance to talk to Justin Ashley, the points leader. Uh yeah, this this he was the rookie of the year i think in 20 what was it 20 2020 2020 yeah uh, or um actually he might have been 2019 20 i think he was I think croc was 2020 uh, yeah yeah and uh but uh justin ashley is uh on fire and and, and <laughs> how ironic that we uh get a chance to uh, interview the two guys that wound up facing each other in the finals on sunday yeah, you can't really make that up in a in a book. I mean, we talked to Proc and uh, you know, he no one was really expecting him to kind of come out here on a tear like he did, but man, he uh he really proved to everyone that his 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 race car, his top field car was um was one to be wrecked. Are you back? Yeah, I'm back. Sorry, I must uh I must have lost you. Can you hear me? Yeah, we you froze up there for a second. That's okay. Let me let me restart what I was saying. But yeah, I mean it was really cool to be able to talk to both of those guys. Um you know, Proc came out and set the record straight on Friday with a very fast time with his with his top fuel car. And then, you know, Justin Ashley being the the points leader coming into the weekend, he also showed, you know, he's he's not going anywhere. He's still got a dominant car and made both of them made it to the finish on Sunday. And very cool to be able to talk to two of the youngest guys in the class and then see them uh, square off on Sunday. They sure did. And Austin Proc got to the finals by beating Alex Laughlin in the first round. Then he took down Leah Pruitt in the second round. And then in the semifinals, he faced the great Antron Brown and beat Antron. And that set him up for the finals. And then Justin Ashley got to the finals uh, by taking out Doug Coletta. That was a huge first round matchup 
Uh, Doug is uh, not having the greatest year this year, but he uh, is always a good contender. Then Justin goes on to take down Kevin Kinsley, who uh, took out Clay Milliken in the first round. And then Justin faced Sean Langdon, who took out Steve Torrance in the first round. So the, the And then Brittany Force, Sean took down Brittany. So it was a big matchup between Justin and Sean in the semis. And, and, and get this, Michael, <laughs> Sean ran a, a 3.676. And still lost because oh. Justin ran a three six seven seven. Yes, Sean had the fastest um, ET, but Justin got there quicker because of the reaction time. That's what you call a little baby hole shot. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't make that up. And um, I mean, that just goes to show the uh, state of the class. Something that Justin was talking about throughout the weekend. And um, I mean, he he said it best. It's a dogfight, man. Both him and Austin were talking about it. That class is. I mean, we saw. Steve Torrance and we saw Brittany both get eliminated pretty early. Uh, Torrance being in the first round and Brittany being in the second round. But um, and still, I mean, we saw it. Antron saw it. Other guys. I mean, it was by no means a a cakewalk for either of those guys to get there. And just what a really exciting weekend of Top Fuel. So we have. You're right, and that had huge implications in the point standings, which we'll talk about in just a second. But let me go ahead and play. Uh, we have the uh, the winning run in the call by Fox, courtesy of Fox Sports and the and the NHRA. Here's Brian Loans with the winning run in the call in Top Fuel. Here we go. Proxcar whips the tires. Ashley had to pedal it as well. Actually, no, he did not. 368-8329. Thought I saw a brief interruption of the header flames. A 31 reaction time for Ashley. He finally breaks through for a countdown win, as this is his fourth final in as many races. Unbelievable. For Justin Ashley, has a big smile on his face right now, but you've had a couple of reflective moments since you got out of the car to finally get this win inside of the countdown. How significant is it? Oh, it's huge. I mean, any win is huge, and... Billy and Christy Meyer, they did such a fantastic job with the Texas Motorplex Stampede of Speed this weekend. And all weekend long, our Davis Motorsports team brought the smarts to this Phillips Connect Smart Trailer Technology team. They did such a fantastic job. It is so much fun, especially when the car is running this good. I'm along for the ride, and it's an absolute blast. I have to thank Toyota. It's another Toyota double up. How awesome is that? Lucas Oil, of course, Vitus Energy, Bendix, Velocity, Sensata, all the companies impact who keep me and so many others safe that make this thing go. A win is a win. We'll take it any way that they come in the countdown. It's especially important. So proud of my guys. Congratulations, Justin. So Austin Proc smokes the tires, and Justin rose on the win, Michael, and uh, just a great drag race. And, and I could have been happy with either one of those guys winning. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree uh, more with you on that. Kind of an, a little bit of an anticlimactic finish. You know, wish you would have seen Proc be able to kind of edge, uh, narrow the gap a little bit there and make it a, you know, a nosedive, but um, I mean, still, you know, give credit to uh, Justin Ashley. That was no, uh, that was no gifted win by any means. I mean, those are two strong race cars and both really, uh, really strong teams as well. Just trying to get that, that win moving toward uh, Vegas. And so Justin goes on to uh, take, uh, keep the points lead. He widened it over Brittany Forrest, Antron and Steve and, and Michael to show you how close it was going into the race. Steve Torrance was trailing uh, Justin by only 14 points. Now he's 96 points back. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that just goes to show it. Even just getting one round deeper really makes a difference. You got to execute when it matters most. And I know that was a disappointing weekend for uh, Steve. We also heard him kind of give some, uh, 
some critical comments comments toward NHRA regarding uh, what what did he call it? he called it the uh, welfare of points system or something for welfare point system so yeah for and that's that's he's talking about the points and a half at Pomona so you know kind of like even um uh, even Justin was talking to us about that on Friday you know no lead is safe it's always good to get a win and extend that lead like you were talking about um but uh I mean with Vegas still left you never know what can happen there and that obviously at Pomona I mean. Things can change in a hurry. So still got to, I mean, it's still wide open. <laughs> yes, it is. Definitely is. So uh, so we'll move on to Funny Car now. Funny Car was the next class, and we saw a lot of crazy stuff happen there. You got a chance to meet Matt Hagen and see how big that guy is. And he was, ended up being number one qualifier on Friday night. And uh, then we had a great run um, through the, uh, the day with some uh, upsets and uh, Matt Ended up facing Ron Caps in the final. Uh, Matt got to the uh, uh, the uh, final round by taking out Terry Haddock in the first round. Bob Tasca the third in the second round. Then he then he faced off with uh, let's see. Uh, no, I'm sorry. In the in the second round, it was Tim Wilkerson that he beat, and then in the in the semis, it was Matt uh, uh, Matt faced Bob Tasca. That was that that race, and then he ended up facing Caps in the final. And then Caps got to the uh, he really had a tough road. He got to the final round by taking out uh, Jeff uh, Dial in the first round. Then he knocked off John Force, and that that's always a, a, a hard thing to do because uh, John always pulls some tricks on the starting line there. And and uh, then he took down John's teammate and son-in-law there, Robert Height, in the semis, which which uh, Robert was the points leader coming in and still is, but has really lost that lead. And so that sets up this epic final between Hagen and Caps, who used to be teammates with Don Schumacher racing. Yeah. What a, what a road for Ron Caps this weekend. He, his road couldn't have been any tougher. I feel like, I mean, to go through some of those notable names like that, uh, like you had talked about John force nearly got him there with, uh, you know, pulling some tricks and gimmicks there on the starting line, like you said, but ultimately yeah. couldn't sustain, just couldn't keep it centered. And um, I mean, yeah, uh, then he had to go through Robert Height, like you said, points leader. That's tough. And then Matt Hagen, who's been racing incredibly as of late, especially at Texas. He was racing real well. And uh, that's a, that's kind of a I would consider this a statement weekend for Ron Caps. I mean, he's a, like you said, narrowed the gap a little bit. And he's a he's proven, you know, don't don't by any means. I don't know if anyone is, but don't take him lightly. He can still you know find a way to win a national champion or win, win the championship. Yes, you can, and definitely, definitely. So, uh, so we have the again, we have the winning run in the call for uh, from Brian Loans here in uh, Funny Cars. So let's listen to it, and and here's how that that race went down. I got a feeling nobody's saying sorry after this final round in Nitro Funny Car. Wow, as they get to the finish line stripe, the wind light comes on for Ron Caps. 391-1, 327 miles an hour. As Matt Hagen rolls out a 392-3 at 331, but it's Ron Caps again here in 2022, grabbing career victory number 73. He is, and we saw that Eric Medlin slide down that Napa car. He said, it's a little bit harder with this new super body than what it used to be. The 73rd win of your career, Ron. But this one, this is a crucial one at this point in the season. What do you take away from today? Unbelievable. For the fans that stayed, I mean, how many of the naysayers said, we're not getting any racing in, and we got it all in, and unbelievable. How about under the lights for the final round? Hagen, 
our team just uh, getting it on with flames out both sides. We burned the nap off the, the body, but um, my gosh, Kathy and Joe Maynard, they're at home and usually uh, they stay and toast with us, so we miss you guys, wish you were here. We will make an extra toast for you, nice job. Um, the Nap Auto Care team. It's like driving into your lap auto care down the street. You rely on them. You can count on them. And Guido and Madeline, this one's going to John Madeline. Uh, he hasn't made, mentioned it in public yet, but I think he's done this year, and he's going to retire off into the sunset. And this trophy is well-earned by him. So uh, Toyota, Toyota, can't thank him enough, man. We're going to double up, too, with the Toyota with Justin. So what a great what a great night. Thank you, everybody, for staying. Love you guys. <laughs> Got to love Ron Caps, Michael. He uh... – Former former champion himself, uh, Matt Hagen's a former champion. Ron is the defending champion. Runs a three point nine eleven, and and Matt ran a three point nine two three, close race. And actually, uh, uh, you know, Caps was went three hundred twenty seven miles an hour at the finish. Uh, Hagen was actually Michael running faster at three thirty one thirty two as they were running the full quarter mile track i think uh hagan would have would have chased down caps and possibly uh, passed them yeah yeah it was a uh, that was good racing right there uh you know hagan ultimately came up short like you said if you extended a little bit if he could have sustained would have been cool to see but you know ultimately his uh fifth win of the season and um one thing that stood out to me he talked about it is that that was some old school racing uh over the weekend and yeah. you know under the lights like like you said, he kind of talked. Uh, he touched on guys, idol guys he idolized growing up, and yeah, um, and looked up to. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, and yeah, uh, he just said, you know, people. really cool. Yeah, just he talked about how cool it was to be a part of that, and um, you love to see that, especially at Texas Motorplex. That's gonna um, that's gonna continue to bring people out and um, keep the interest brewing, and uh, yeah, just like and like he talked about, really cool to be able to get all that racing in despite the weather. Exactly. So Robert Hyke comes into the race with a 46-point lead, leaves Texas with a only a 10-point lead, Michael. We we interviewed Robert, and he was very, very critical about the point system. He's even more pissed now because now he only has a 10-point lead going into Vegas. And Matt Hagen is right there. Um, maybe uh, looks like I'm looking at the thing here. It looks like about 66 points back in third. And John Force is in fourth. So the, the, the four uh, top four drivers in the standings right now still have a mathematical chance, but I think it's going to come down to uh, Robert Height and, and Caps in these last couple races, unless unless they stumble and Matt does well. Um, we're 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 on for a good uh, finish in the Funny Car Series. Yeah, it's going to take something catastrophic to kind of separate the the rest. I mean, I'm sorry to uh, kind of narrow the gap between the top two and and those beneath them, but um, I mean, like we were talking about with Top Fuel. We got still got Vegas, still got points and a half at Pomona. Um, yeah. Never count anyone out in this field and it's in this sport. But um, yeah, I really feel good about um, you know both Caps and Heights Heights's um, situation. Obviously, Robert Height had a rough weekend, but um, you know expect him to bounce back uh, this coming weekend, or I'm sorry, in a week in the next week. And one final note before we move on to uh, Pro Stock, uh, Ron Caps is this is the first year he is racing as a car owner. And 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 he owns the team this year. You know, the, in the past he's raced under the Don Schumacher racing umbrella of drivers, the of the four drivers they used to have. So um, he's out on his own running the whole thing this year. So kudos to him and uh, kudos to Matt. Matt's with Tony Stewart Racing. Matt was a former teammate. So both these guys, you know, doing great. So let's move on to to Pro Stock. We had a, another epic. Uh, run through the field uh, with Erica Enders um, getting the, the victory. Uh, 
sweeping the Texas races. She won back in um, April at the Spring Nationals at Houston Raceway Park. And Michael, she takes out Fernando Quadra Jr. in the first round. Then she faces Matt Harford, who's always a strong competitor. She took him down in, in the second round. And then in the semifinals, she raced her teammate, Troy Coughlin Jr., and beat him. And then that set up an epic match between her and Greg Anderson, who's the uh, defending um, champion in the in the uh, in the in the class. And Greg um, and Erica have this long history of battles that they did. But Greg, uh, he beat Mason McGahey from Odessa, young kid that we had on the uh, Tracksmack show with Don and I did an interview with a little bit a little earlier this um, this season. And then that was the first round. Then he takes down Christian Quadra in the second round. In the semifinals, he faces uh, Aaron Stanfield, and then that sets up, like I said, the uh, epic round here with uh, Anderson and, and Erica in the um, in the finals. Yeah, Erica um, seemed to be really thrilled, obviously, with that weekend. She was she was dominant. I mean, you could see it from Friday. She just kept coming in the media center because she kept doing her thing. And um, man, really cool to see that. That was a great race between her and Greg. Um, like you said, long-standing rivalry there. Um, you know they've got a, a real a real good relationship between those two, so that's always good to see healthy competition. And um, yeah, just just really cool for her to to get that. And and I mean, we I think we had talked about it with her a little bit. It's you feel like she's kind of locked in for the championship, but I mean, I guess you never say never. But um, but now it looks like she's going to be uh, getting that world championship. So that's super exciting for her. She definitely deserves it. Definitely is. And I don't know if I told you that over the weekend that last season, you know, she led a lot of the points uh, standings uh, throughout the, the, the season. And then Greg Anderson came on strong at the end there and took the title away from her. And she was pissed. And she said at the beginning of the year, I'm on a mission. I'm not going to play around this year. I want that championship. And this will be her fifth world title i believe and that's she, incredible and so she uh uh is on a mission and she has a great points lead going into this uh these last two races but we have the winning run in the call in, in pro stock so let's uh let's hear how that race went down between her and greg anderson here we go two of the greatest pro stock racers of all time compete in the same generation maybe at different points in their career but they have met so many times We'll find out who wins this match. Both drivers pre-stage. No horsing around here. Eric is 35. Greg is 12 thousandths behind off the starting line. And as they cross the finish line stripe, it will be Erica Enders. 653-7, It is not an exclamation point. It's like a wrecking ball running to the side of a building. It just doesn't stop. And for Erica Enders, as you hoist that Wally, it's one thing to talk the talk, but to actually walk the walk into the winner's circle on a weekend where you had so much confidence. How do you do that? Having the best boys in the business to stand behind me and, and the good Lord above that keeps me calm. So I give him all the glory, but I talked to my sister before that round and she says, you get this done. You, you completed the Texas two-step this year for the last time in NHRA's history with no more Houston. So. We're super proud of that. Melling Performance has stuck behind me for a lot of years and they've been more than loyal to me when they've had options to do something else. So I really wanna thank the Melling family, Kevin from Gallagher and People Lease. Uh, this stuff doesn't happen without those guys. C-Tech, C-H-E, we're just proud. Proud to have them as part of our family, but uh, 
We did it in Texas, and I cannot be more proud. <laughs> 42nd win. Congratulations. <laughs> 42nd win. And, man, she is just uh, dominated this year. And what a great victory over uh, – Greg Anderson, Michael, she uh, runs a 6.537. He runs a 6.547. That's how close it was. She crossed the line going 209 miles an hour, and he crossed the line doing 208. So that they were they were moving in that pro stock class. Yeah, just neck and neck the whole way through. You love to see it. What a race. Good for uh, for Erica. Uh, love to see her do that in her home state. And, you know, she, she made the quickest run in um, every round of qualifying and the elimination. So, that just goes to show, like you said, truly dominant. She's got that big lead, and you can tell she is tunnel visioned and ready to prove that she is uh, she's the best in uh, in pro stock, and seems to be the case. Yeah, she has almost a hundred and twenty or thirty something point lead over Aaron Stanfield in the standings. Greg Anderson's third, but there's really no way that Greg can catch her at this point, unless. I mean, she would have to, like, not even start the race, the next two races, but I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, they're going to always have that car prepared. But um looks like she's on her on a row for a record uh, fifth championship, and uh, just what a great thing for, for females in the sport of drag racing. Absolutely. I think she takes a 166-point a lead, okay. and she has a chance to clinch it in Vegas. So um, she's definitely going to be trying to do that. We had talked to her about that. Um, always exciting. She had a big smile on her face. So that's, like you said, good for the – for a woman to do that in that sport, man, she's uh, really putting it on. And she got to drive that bitch back. <laughs> well, not this weekend. Remember, her sister wasn't there. Yeah, but she said she drove it back. I asked her. Oh, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, well, she was on FaceTime. That's right. She had said she FaceTimed her. But somebody else filmed it. <clears throat> oh, okay. And that's, I think she had said, what, what was it? Her her crew chief filled in for her for the something like that? Yeah. Yeah, they filmed That's good. It. That's it. That's a tradition. They drive that bitch back. She, she and her sister get in the car and they drive from the, from the, the starting line where they have victory lane, where they set up the victory stage and all that. And they, and take all the pictures. They drive it from that point back to the pit area and everybody's cheering and she's revving the engine and everything. You can go to YouTube and see the videos and it's a lot of fun. So absolutely. So we wrap it up with pro stock motorcycle and Michael, uh, Man, did they have all kind of issues in pro stock motorcycle? Matt Smith um, was the uh, no, it was uh, Matt Smith was doing really well to, during the day, but it was going into the race. It was it was uh, what's your name here? I can't uh, man, I should know this. Uh, <laughs> Angel Sampe <laughs> couldn't couldn't think of it, and she was the fast qualifier coming in, but she on the opening round, Ryan Ayler. Um, takes her out in the first round because she got loose coming off the uh, the starting line and drifted toward the center line and actually hit the timing block on the far end of the track there and was DQ'd. So uh, that that goes, uh, knocks her out of the race, and, and she was really hoping for a good finish. And, and so we had Jerry Savoy, or Sa- I'm sorry, Jerry Savoie, who uh, beat Ayler in the second round, and he uh, he ends up beating Steve Johnson in the semis and makes it to the final. Then on the other side of the ladder, we had Hector Arana Jr., who hasn't been really racing very long. Uh, well, not very much. He's been racing a long time, but he not very much this season due to funding and everything. So he he wins against Jeff Ellis in the first round, then takes down Angie Smith, Matt's wife, in the second round, and then takes out Matt Smith, uh, 
in the in the semis and and again Matt had he he drifted toward the right to the right toward the center line as well so he had issues and and so it set up a great matchup between Jerry Savar and Hector Rana in, in the in the in the finals. Yeah, I mean talk about a spoiler story, right? You you listed all the names off. Uh, he he took him out, Hector did, uh and ended up, you know, I mean actually he took out the points leader too cuz Matt Smith is a points leader. So just really, I mean, you can you can see who's really playing that spoiler role to perfection and um I mean that's really cool for him to get that that victory at Dallas um over Savoie. Um he really he really needed that, I think, just you know, confidence-wise, you know, moving forward, I think uh, it'll bode well for Hector and his team. And I understand he already landed a sponsor, uh, which uh, should put him in Vegas as well. So uh, uh, I've read something this this week since the race. Uh, some somebody's come forward and everything. So uh, I'm hoping he can get out there, and then hopefully he can get a full sponsorship um, for next season. But anyway, we had the the winning run in the call for. Pro Stock Motorcycle, let me play that, and then we'll wrap it up here. So here's Hector Rana versus Jerry Savall. That is the swan song, the siren song, the most common thought in the world of drag racing. Hopefully we have enough. Final round of Pro Stock Fight. It's Jerry Savoy this time who grabs three hundreds. And at the finish line stripe, it will be Hector Arana Jr., 682-2, miles an hour. He made the final here last year. He has won a race for the first time since 2019. Who the fuck it? For Hector Arana Jr., he looks at that Wally, the 16th of your career, but you've waited since 2019 for this. When you've had the struggles that you've had, how much sweeter are these moments? <laughs> this is so awesome because... You know, I don't know when my next time out here is going to be. And so you got to make the best of it when you come out. And Sophia, daddy's coming home a winner. <laughs> wow. <sighs> big, big shout out to my team, my dad. He works all day and he goes to the shop, puts in more effort to do this. And uh, all the guys that, you know, put in the extra little money to help us, gas money, come out here. <sighs> Jim and, and Flo with all tech signs and just everybody else. Just thank you so much. This is so awesome. Congratulations, Hector. Definitely, definitely happy there, Michael. And he, uh, tell you what, he uh, first win in Dallas and uh, 16th win overall. He runs a 682 to Jerry Savoie's 689. Close drag race. He crossed the line 196 miles an hour. Just uh, great drag racing for the pro stock motorcycles. Uh, and it's great to see some new, new, new blood, uh, in the winner's circle. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, coming out of the weekend now, Matt Smith holds, I believe a 51 point lead over Joey Gladstone. So we'll have to see kind of how that finishes out. Um, obviously Smith's going to be the favorite there, but you know, two more races, never know. And I think if I have it right, I believe Smith is going for a fifth championship in pro stock motorcycle. He is the defending champion as well. Uh, like kind of like uh, Greg Anderson was when we talked about in pro stock. Uh, so uh, he's going for number five and Eric is going for number five. So yeah, that that's a tight points race in the, in pro stock and uh, just overall a great weekend. And uh, any, uh, any final takeaways or anything that you want to mention about the uh, Texas uh, fall nationals? I mean, I guess the, the biggest thing is, you know, there's something going on with Brittany and her team. They're, they really need to clean it up if they want a shot in the top fuel and if they want a shot at, 
you know, even contending for a championship or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I know they fell back a little bit. Uh, we'll have to see there. Um, she kind of touched on engine issues and things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, outside of that, I mean, just a really fun, fun weekend. Got to see, again, some young guns, some new bloods. And, yeah, you can't beat that. It, it really goes to show anything can happen at, at the Texas Motorplex, and you'll have to see it. So before we we go, Michael, uh, let me ask you uh, what's going on in Baylor uh, Baylor University this year this weekend in football. What are you uh, or, or football or sports? What are you covering? And uh, tell us uh, what's going on uh, in, in Big Waco uh, this weekend. Yeah, yeah, good question. Um, well, obviously we got I got tomorrow. I'm covering some high school football in the area, but after that on Saturday uh, we've got Baylor versus Kansas, both unranked. Kansas started the year. 5-0, and just dropped the last two games. So we've got a really interesting matchup here. We've got two teams on the cusp of a three-game losing streak. Baylor has also lost the last two. So it's a big, uh, big important game for both. For Kansas, you're kind of fighting for, you know, we are legit. We're not just a basketball school. We can play football too. Uh, for Baylor, it's trying to prove, you know, we're still, we're still one of the best teams in the Big 12. We haven't gone anywhere. Last year was not a fluke. Um, so, I mean, it should be a really interesting, uh, 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. You can watch it on ESPN two. I'll be there. I'm covering it for, you wouldn't even believe all sorts of people. So I'll be, uh, you won't be able to reach me much on Saturday from the hours of, oh, also it's, it's homecoming weekend here on, in Waco. Wow. So we've got a, par- oh, and my student paper is going to be in the parade. Their call time is get this five fifteen in the morning. They got to be there wow. getting ready. <laughs> getting set up for that. Uh, they're going to be passing out homecoming newspaper editions that we just put together yesterday. And um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a busy weekend. I'm covering it for, again, all sorts of people. It'll be a pretty exciting game. Uh, Shapin, Blake Shapin, the starting quarterback, he's back and practicing with the team. So expect him to play. And uh, not too sure about Kansas' starting quarterback, Jalen Daniels. Those are the two uh, guys to keep an eye on as we head toward game day. Uh, that's exciting stuff. Well, that's great. It's going to be exciting. I'll be watching here. On, I think it's on FS1, I believe, or ESPN2 this weekend. Okay. Well, good. Well, I'll be watching and I'll be looking forward to your stories and um, looking forward to uh, chatting with you soon. Absolutely. All right. Well, you you take care and uh, let's do the races again next year if we get a chance. Absolutely. You know, if I if I got the time, I'm always down. It was a, that was a blast. I'd love to do it again. All right. Well, that's Michael Haig. He, again, he's the sports editor of the Baylor Lariat newspaper, and he happens to be my son, and I'm very proud of him. So there you go. All right. And that about wraps up this week's edition of Track Smack here on TrackSmackRadio.com. Again, my name is Mike Haig. I'm with Race Day San Antonio, and Dawn and I will be back in the studio next week again bringing you another edition of track smack here on tracksmackradio.com be sure and check out our archives on tracksmackradio.com you can also go to spotify and google play and stitcher and um, apple podcasts and all the different platforms we have the show on and be sure and like uh hit the like button and Download our podcast. Go back in the archives. We have a lot of good stuff in there from this season. And we're celebrating 18 years of doing the radio show and podcast. And we appreciate all your support. And I'll thank all the listeners for listening in every week. And we'll be back next week with another show. So stay tuned. And once again, congratulations to Dawn and her son. Her son's getting married this week down in San Antonio this weekend. And we 
wish them the best and hopefully uh, everything will go well with the weather and everything so uh dawn if you're listening have a have a good time and we miss you and see you next week and y'all all have a great weekend and let's watch some racing this week and enjoy it have a good day This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.